0: Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. So sometimes you you're at an event where you see something happen. Maybe it's even on TV and you didn't realize that you were going to be a part of something that was significant until that very thing happens. Well, I want to look at some scripture for us this morning that I think that very thing happened. I know that very thing happened. And it was an opportunity that three men had with Jesus that they weren't really expecting. So let's look at Matthew 17, verses 1 through 5. Matthew 17, verses 1 through 5. says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, look, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came from uh, out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Now, I don't know, maybe Peter, James, and John got used to being in situations like this with Jesus. That they got to see some things that most people would never, ever see. (laughs) But you know that they had this kind of experience as they see Moses and Elijah. It's interesting to me that they knew exactly who they were, having never laid eyes on them. (laughs) But here they are, they see them, and they see Jesus changed, and Peter had a response, didn't he? He said, it is good for us to be here. Here is a moment in history that no one will ever, ever know. No one will ever see. No one will ever be a part of except us three who are here to witness this very thing. And he says it is good for us to be here. I want to notice something else about what Peter says. He doesn't, does not say it is good for me to be here. He says it is good for us to be here. He didn't leave James and John out. He recognized how important and how impactful it was to them as well. Also notice what was his first response. We need to build three tabernacles. It's time to worship. This is so unique. I feel like praising God. So let's build three tabernacles to these men. God changes the focus. God gets Peter back on track and says, No, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased hear him this is not about moses it's not about elijah it's about jesus my son but i want to look at an opportunity that we have here today we together stand in the presence of jesus we together have an opportunity to praise god together and that is a wonderful opportunity an opportunity that we should use and take advantage of. To do that, I would like to first look at what the purpose of the assembly is. Peter or Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 33, and I just want to point out that 1 Corinthians 14 is a chapter about the assembly. That's the way he starts out the entire thing. So he says, when, whenever you come together, he uses that phrase quite a bit so That's what the context of 1 Corinthians 14. He says to them, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. You know, God has a specific purpose for the assembly. He has an intent that He wants us to know and to follow for that assembly. If it were something different, if it were many different things, God would be confusing. That would be confusion. But He's specific. He tells us what He wants. And so let's look at what He intends for that purpose to be. And you'll notice that I'm going to use the phrase or the word assembly. I'm not going to use the word worship. I'm not going to use the word service. We find the assembling of ourselves together. That's the way it's described, and so that's the way I'm going to use it. We're going to talk about the purpose of the assembly. Again, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for what? For edification. That is the purpose of the assembly. It is to edify. You say, well, what does that mean? What does it mean to edify? Well, if I'm going to edify an edifice, I'm building a building. So I am building up. That is our purpose for all of us to be here. See, it's good for us to be here so that we can edify one another. First Corinthians chapter 14, and verse 3. He who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Both of these passages we'll come back to later on, but I want to look at this word exhortation. It means to call alongside of. It means to say, you know what, I know you might be struggling, but I'm here for you. Let me exhort you. Let me encourage you. Let's come along with me. Join me because it's good for us to be here. So as we have this opportunity that we get to share with one another, we ought to be looking to call each other along to our side to unite As we worship God together. That is our purpose. To edify. Ephesians chapter 4. This is not one that you might look at typically. As a. um, As an assembly passage. But I want to notice. That it does apply. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Beginning there in verse 11. Says and he gave some. To be apostles. Some prophets. Some evangelists. Some pastors and teachers may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now there's a lot that's contained in these passages, so let me try to get through it quickly. Number one, the offices that are put in place are for the equipping of the church, for the equipping of the saints, It's not that they all do the work of the ministry, but that they equip you to do the work of the ministry. And in doing so, what does it cause? It causes an edification of the church. Isn't that what we're trying to do? Isn't that our purpose to build the church up? Now, this is talking about in a greater sense that's not just confined to the assembly, but wouldn't it certainly then apply to the assembly? Within the assembly, he's also going to, what he's told us here is that everybody is to do their part. Everyone. You have a part to play in the edification of the church. You have a responsibility, not just the officers. We've already covered that. They're to equip you to call alongside of. They're to equip you to do the edification. And when we come together in the assembly, you do your part so that everyone is edified. So that everyone is strengthened. And that will happen when everybody comes together. I don't think that's more evident than any other time than when everyone joins together properly in song. When everybody is coming together, when that leader is leading so that you are equipped to be able to serve in that ministry at that moment in song. And we all join together and we follow the leader. We follow the music. And we all praise God with our heart in that song. Is this not more evident? We see that coming together. Are we not the most edified in those particular moments? I knew somebody was going to do it. (laughs) I appreciate that. But that's what we see, and so we, we want to recognize what our purpose is and that we come together, when we come together, that we are here to edify others. Now, there are some things that will hinder that purpose, that will keep us from doing what God has intended us to do, for us to do in the assembly. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 17. He says, now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. This is an assembly that he'd rather you not be at. It's hard to think about, isn't it? Hard to think about an assembly that actually would be better for us not to have ever have attended. But that's what he say. You've come together for the worse. They've got to change their focus. They've got to change the things that they're doing. Whatever they were doing was not good because they were not about the, the purpose of the assembly. And he is going to go on and he's going to explain that a little bit to us. Let's notice the very next verse, verse 18. He says, For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. Now, I... I've heard this passage used sometimes in going on offense, if you will, against the separating for Bible classes or Sunday school something like that. That's not what this passage is about. This passage is about a division that's created by the mindset of people, not by the, what they're doing physically. Now, obviously, what this this actually is a supposedly a church. I, I googled it, a church fighting, and that's what I got. And I, that was an article actually, of a church that was physically fighting. Uh, I guess it could get that far. Uh, But I don't think that was what was going on in Corinth. But maybe, maybe it was. I don't know. But you know what this is about? This is when my cause becomes more important than you to me. I know they came by with the bags, but I kept my little... My little cup. There's a reason I kept my little cup. You may not like this. How, how this is being done. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what you think about it. I don't even know how long the elders are planning on using these little cups. Maybe forever. I don't, it, it doesn't matter to me. The point is this. It doesn't matter. If this is the communion that you're going to do, do the communion the way they're going to do it. You may not like it necessarily, but you know what? This is not a cause that's worth dividing over. Not worth it. There used to be fights over whether there was a cloth over the communion table or not. You know, the cloth over the communion table was a dust ball thing. To keep the dust out of the communion. They didn't have little seals like this to to cover it up. Keep the flies out. That's what it was for when we had the windows open all the time because we didn't have air conditioning. Then we got air conditioning. There was no dust bowl. There was no reason to have that cloth on the table. So some people decided to take it off. People divided over that. That was a cause that wasn't worth fighting. What I wanted then became more important than what you needed. And what you need in the assembly is edification. Whether or not there's a prayer to start the assembly or not. Who cares? There's prayers. (laughs) Let's focus on the things that matter. Let's focus on making sure that I'm doing my part to edify you. Divisions hurt the purpose. They hinder the purpose. They don't keep us focused on what we ought to do and therefore we don't do what God has called us to do. Number two. 1 Corinthians 11, 20 and 21. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. And one is hungry and another is drunk. Back then, they would just set out the table. As you come in, you take what you want. You grab this food here and a little bit of drink there. And the next thing you know, all of it's gone before everybody else shows up. Well, I've got my fill. I got what I wanted. You know what that's called? That's called selfishness. That's the opposite of edification, isn't it? That keeps us from doing what it is that we ought to be doing. I almost guarantee that there was at least one song here led this morning that you went, yeah, I'm not a fan of that song. No offense, guys. It just happens. Maybe you didn't like a particular song. Maybe you didn't like the tempo. Maybe you didn't like how quiet it was. Maybe you didn't like how loud it was. There are certain things that, that you would do it different. Of course you would. We would all do things our own way. You'd probably do this sermon different. There you go. Some of you are taking notes saying, okay, this is what I would do different. I'm gonna, This is all right, but I can really improve this. That's okay. Do that encourage you to do it. But if you're not edified by it, that's kind of your fault. I mean, there's a responsibility that I bear. Don't misunderstand me. I certainly do. Because that's my job. My job is to edify you. The sermon goes a little long. Maybe it's too short. (laughs) It's never happened. (laughs) Whatever reason, it might not be just what you want it to be. And therefore you leave unsatisfied and you get in the car and you talk to your kids, I wish so-and-so would have done this, or I wish so-and-so would have done that better. I could have done better. Whatever that is. When you come to the assembly and you hope to get edified, you will leave dissatisfied. Because it won't be the way you want it. Even if I led all the songs, I led all the prayers, I did all the teaching, I led the communion and all that stuff, you know what, I'd probably leave unsatisfied. Because then it's not about you. That's my job. You probably would still not follow me quite as well as I want you to in a particular area. If I'm thinking that way, you know what I'm saying? Selfishness hinders the purpose of the assembly. Because it's the opposite of what we ought to be doing. We ought to be focused on everybody else. Not ourselves. So that's what we ought to be doing. And when, when our focus is on ourselves again, most often we are unsatisfied because it didn't go the way we wanted it to. But if my focus is on you and making sure you get what you need, I'm satisfied, and I will be every time. The third thing hinders the purpose of the assembly. First Corinthians 14, and verse two. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Continue on to verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. They had a problem in Corinth that they were saying, look what I could do. <laughs> I can do this miracle. I can speak in tongues. Oh yeah, well you're no good without me because I can interpret those tongues. Oh well. It doesn't matter. I can go through the streets and I can heal anybody I want to. Can you see how the pride gets in the way of everything that they were doing. It was all about how good they were. Pride. All about me. That's what all these things are. The pride is that I can do it better than you. And so I should be doing. it. Maybe we're doing that from our pew. I can lead songs better than he is. So I'll just take over and I'll lead for him. I'll start when it's time to stop. If I do that, it's not because I'm trying to tell you to stop. You can tell uh, I have issues. These things hinder the purpose because it's all these things. Who is it about? me that's what it's about whether it's divisions in my cause or whether it's selfishness in the way that i would do it or pride in saying that i would do it better than anybody else it's about me the assembly of the church is not about you it's about everybody else And we need to recognize that. And so he tells us what we can do, not to hinder the purpose, but to help the purpose. To make that happen. First Corinthians 14, and verse 37 says, If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. If we will focus on what God tells us to do to edify one another, the goal will be accomplished the purpose will be promoted. The very purpose that God intended. First Corinthians 11 and verse 33. says, Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. They were eating before everybody got there, and so they were getting their fill. Others were leaving, not getting anything. So what did he say to do? He says, wait for one another. So instead of having divisions, we need fellowship. We need oneness. We need togetherness. He wants us together to share and to participate together. Only when we are assembled together can we accomplish the purpose of edifying one another. I cannot do that if I'm not in your presence to do that. How can I encourage you if I'm not here to encourage you? So fellowship is an integral part. And for that, there is no substitute. Now, I want to be very clear about something. The guy, the quarterback, the star quarterback that gets injured before the big game And cannot participate in the big game. Is that his fault? Well, sometimes. Sometimes they get injured because they're doing silly things. I know that. But I'm just saying if he's just normal play, he's out on the field, and he gets injured, and so he cannot play the next game, is that his fault? No, he just can't participate. He can't be there. That happens. God does not expect you to do something that you cannot do. We know that from the story of the parable of the talents. Why did the one talent man not get four more, like the five talent man? Because he couldn't do what the five talent man could. So he wasn't given more than what he could handle. He wasn't given responsibility for what he could not do. On the other hand, if you can, you better not bury it. If you can be at the assembly, you ought to be at the assembly. To encourage one another. I used to be a lot bigger of a sports fan than I am today. I don't know. Maybe it was cutting off ESPN a long time ago or what it was. Uh, Part of that was COVID. Honestly, some things you just realize aren't that important. But uh, So... When I was a sports fan, though, there were times that I would go to games. I'd leave horse. And I would boo the ref. And I would cheer on my team. And I felt like I was a part of the game. And I kind of was. You know, there is such a thing as home field advantage. You know why there's home field advantage? Because the crowd is so loud and they're influencing what's going on on the field or on the court. When I'm at home and I'm watching a game and I'm yelling at the ref on the TV, I'm cheering on my team on the TV, and I have done it. My kids and family can tell you. Did I influence at all the game that was going on? I will admit that some of those times it was even recorded. The game had already happened, and I'm yelling the way I'm I'm yelling. I had zero impact on the game. Do You get my point? When you're not here, you have zero impact. If you're injured, stay at home. We get it. We understand. You can't be here. But if you're not, don't bury that talent in the ground. You are responsible to be here because your job is to edify, and that is accomplished in fellowship. Number two, what can we do to promote the purpose? 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3 He who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. That idea of comfort, we ought to be, uh, that's what we ought to be doing. Number two, we see in 1 Corinthians 14, 31, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. How we may promote the the purpose of the assembly is not to focus on self, but to focus on comforting or encouraging others. To think about the other person and what they need. To help each other to what God calls all of us to do through that comfort and through teaching and through singing and through those different things that we do. Sometimes when we're out doing day-to-day life, People are not as kind and friendly towards Christianity. Sometimes people are belligerent toward Christianity. My son is in a field of work that he comes across this a lot. Just most recently, he came across a pagan biker. Now I think this guy was a little bit friendly, but he did mock him a little bit for his lack of alcohol and partying and things like that that are expected of a 21-year-old man, right? It's not always comfortable out there because people are not always friendly and nice and comforting and encouraging. Let it not be said about this place. This ought to be a sanctuary to all the rest that is going on so that we are encouraged and provoked to go out and do what God has called us to do. Despite what may happen to us, despite whatever persecution, we have it pretty easy. It is coming. I don't know when, but it's coming. But right now we have it pretty easy. When it gets hard, we're going to need each other more than ever. To provoke one another, to strengthen one another, to go out and do it anyway. Regardless of what might happen to me physically. Number three. 1 Corinthians 14, 26, how is it, then, brethren, whenever you come together, each one of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation, let all things be done for edification. He says, whenever you come together, so he's talking about in the assembly, and he talks about these different aspects in which we may participate, and he says, let all things be done for edification. You know what those things are? It's the song, the teaching, the tongue, the revelation, all of that is different forms of worship. So he says, whenever you come together, let your worship be for edification. We come together and we pray together. First Corinthians 14 to verse 15. Same verse says we come together and we sing together. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding. Pray with the Spirit. Pray with the understanding. 1 Corinthians 14, 29-35 talks about the teaching in the assembly. That there ought to be teachers that are giving the Word of God. And as we've already done this morning, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23-29 tells us that we ought to commune. And that we ought to do all of those things together. Worship, including the communion is designed to accomplish the goal and the purpose of the, edif- of the assembly. And that is for edification. <clears throat> what if I asked you, what is the most important thing for a marriage to be successful? I bet there are all kinds of ideas that are going through each of your head. The one thing, I'm asking you, one thing that you think is the most important thing for a marriage to be successful, having worked having my own marriage, but also having worked on counseling in other people's marriages, I can tell you this: a lot of times that answer is going to be different than from you, to even to your spouse. What that one thing is, I don't know what it is in your head. Maybe it's honesty. Maybe it's communication. Maybe it's love. Maybe it's whatever. That may be the most important thing in your mind. To make a marriage successful, that is not the purpose of a marriage. Not love, not honesty, not communication. None of those things are the purpose of marriage. You know what the purpose of marriage is? Oneness. Companionship. That's the purpose. It is not good for the man to be alone. Let us make him and help meet for him or suitable for him. That's the purpose. All those things generate that oneness. Love, honesty, communication, all those things generate that purpose. But it's not the purpose in and of itself. Same thing with the assembly. Our purpose is to edify. That's what we're trying to accomplish. And we do that through worship. The purpose of the assembly is not for God, just like the Sabbath was not. For God, but for man. Worship is the opposite of pride. And let me illustrate it this way. The opposite of pride, obviously, you know, to be humility, right? That's what we C.S. Lewis once said that humility is not just thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. There's a subtle difference. It's not thinking lower of myself, but to think of myself less often. What are we doing when we worship? It's not about me. (laughs) My focus is on God. And so worship drives that engine to the purpose of edification. So I need to focus on my worship and my praise, and that will eliminate pride. Then it doesn't become about how good I am at whatever that might be, singing or teaching or praying or whatever that might be. The focus becomes on God, where it ought to be. And that will promote the purpose. You know, sometimes we get together and we don't provoke. It's not our purpose in getting together. It's just get together, hang out. We're not there to worship necessarily. Sometimes we might even provoke without even being together. I might send you a text or something like that to encourage you, comfort you in some way. And sometimes uh, we might even worship all by ourselves. It happens. It's what we should be doing. At, even when we're by ourselves, we ought to be worshiping. We could do that without fellowship. We could do that without uh, provocation, can't we? But it's when the three are together that we ought to be working on those things. It takes a combination of all three to accomplish the goal of edification. And when we do, that's when we can say it is good for us to be here. See, when we recognize the purpose that gives the assembly the value, because every one of us is strengthened from being here. And that value promotes the purpose because we realize it's good for us to be here and I need to strengthen you. And we get the value and we get the purpose and it's just... That's what's going to happen in assembly. Our reading this morning was Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 25. He talks about some different areas and how what we do is to draw near to Christ. That here we are in a safe place to proclaim our faith or our hope. That we are to provoke, to stir up, or to incite love and good works. And that we are here to encourage one another. Are those not good things? Is it not good for us to draw near to our high priest, our Savior, Jesus Christ? It absolutely is. Is it not good for us to all leave encouraged because I was focused on encouraging you? See, when when my focus is all about me, it's not about you at all. And so I leave encouraged or discouraged based on myself. But when everybody focuses on everybody but themselves, you know who's encouraged? Everybody. I will be encouraged by more than me. I'll be encouraged by all of you. I don't even know how many. Do we have a count? How many are here today? Yet? Anything like that? Let's just say 75. I don't even know if I'm even close. One? Or 75? 75? That's a whole lot better. So when we focus on that purpose, we get the value of the assembly. And so let us realize the opportunity that we all have to be here together today. It is good for us to be here. One final verse. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 12. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. That you seek to excel. To what? To edify. Not just get by, not just hope. It's being prepared to come to the assembly to edify everybody else, to encourage everybody else. And today I'm going to be excellent at it. Michael Jordan did not become excellent at basketball because he said, you know, I'll just get by. He worked at it, he worked hard. And because of that, he excelled at the sport of basketball. Basketball is meaningless. We have something we can really excel at and really make a difference that is really meaningful. Because what we might do when we are together in the assembly is keep that one person from falling away. Keep that one person from being out of fellowship. Because we gave them an encouraging word. We gave them some sort of strength to get by one more week. Are you doing your part? Are you hoping everybody else is doing their part for you? That's the question that you need to ask yourself this morning. And if we can help you, we are here to help strengthen one another. And if you need the prayers of the church, there'll be no judgment. Not at all. Our purpose here is to edify you today. And if you need strength, if you need encouragement, if you need anything from us, communicate with us today. And we will do whatever we can to help you spiritually, to help you grow, to help you be the person that God has called you to be. We want to provoke you to love and good works. Let us know by coming forward and sitting on the front while we stand and while we sing. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com normanchurch.com